Welcome back to the Enneagram Journey. My show today is with three young women who are therapists and eating disorder specialists. I have a two, an eight, and a one, and we talk about so much more than merely therapy and eating disorders, and it's a rich show. I think you'll enjoy it. Welcome to the Enneagram Journey. My guests today are three women who work with children, adolescents, and adults, and their families dealing with eating disorders. Whitney Russell Stabile is a one on the Enneagram. She's the program director of the residential program for Center for Discovery in Plano, and she's married to my oldest son, and they have two children. Along with her, Eden Hyder is here. She's a two on the Enneagram, and she's program director of the outpatient program for Center for Discovery in Dallas and private practice at Inside Out Collaborative, and she's married with two children. And Candace David is an eight. She's the lead therapist for outpatient program at Changes Frisco and her own private practice at Inside Out Collaborative, and she's married with one child. It's my joy to talk about the Enneagram and therapy and helping folks anytime I get the opportunity to do that because I am convinced that the truth of the Enneagram permeates what we all do and what we all do both in our own private lives and professionally in one way or another. So um, I'm glad you're here and I'm anxious for us to uh, learn from one another hopefully as we talk through how you're using the Enneagram to work together and how you're using the Enneagram to work with your clients. So I'd like to start with how you're using the Enneagram to work together and how you found out about it. So I can start that. Um, I'm Whitney, obviously. So I learned the Enneagram or first heard about the Enneagram from um, a supervisor's training that I took years and years ago. And they made us take a test online and then they spit out the results and I looked at it for a second and that was it. Um, And so then when I met Joel, he reintroduced it to me. And so that's kind of when we started looking at how the Enneagram affects our relationship and what number I am, what number he is, et cetera. Um, and then your book came out, I went back to you. And we got the book, you gave me a copy for Christmas last year. <laughs> um, and then I took that book to work and was just looking at it and was recognizing some of the personalities of the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know one of those. <laughs> so at the time, um, Eden was my program therapist. And Candace was our facility manager. And we have we had another person on our treatment team, Malek, mm-hmm. um, who is our mm-hmm. resident di- registered dietitian and still is our registered dietitian um, at the residential facility. So I was just I took the book in there one day and I was like, I have y'all heard of the Enneagram? <laughs> Talking about it. And I was like, I think I might know what your numbers are. And and if it's not, that's okay. <laughs> but I just think some of these things are are y'all? <laughs> yeah, and I think our, you, I think you sat down and said we're gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. didn't have it. It yeah. might have been like a slow day for some reason. Yeah, yeah, one of the it took. We ended up sitting down for like an hour. Yeah. I think you'd been working because you had just joined the team, mm-hmm. whereas Malak, like Eden, and I months. had been together for yeah. geez a while before oh, wow. then already. And I think you'd yeah, I think you'd been at this for like two months, and so then you yeah. came with this book, and like blew our minds with all the stuff we 
knew about ourselves but didn't know about ourselves. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So had y'all ever heard of the Enneagram before? Mm-mm. I had not, no. Um, I mean, and being a therapist, like going through your master's, you hear about personality stuff. Yeah. Like you take classes on that. Yeah. So I had heard about a lot, but the Enneagram is by far like the most mind-blowing, accurate mm-hmm. thing I've come across. It's really crazy, isn't it, how you read things about yourself and you think, how would anybody know that? <laughs> how would anybody know that I think that way? Yeah. Or, that's how I approach people. That's very weird to me. People um, ask me if I sometimes come up to me and say, so did you just follow people around <laughs> and then learn all this stuff about them? And I said, no. You know, I read a book too. That's how I started. Hmm. So how do you think it's helping you guys work together? Well, I think, like, just that day helped yeah. me, because I had only been working with them for, like, two months. And so just that day helped me to kind of know what their motivations are, how I should talk to them, what maybe are the motivations behind some of the things that they are doing or not doing. Um, and so just knowing that Candace was an eight, I knew I could talk to her very straight, and we she could talk to me straight as a one, and we worked really well together yep. in that, and I knew I wasn't going to hurt her feelings, and she wasn't going to hurt my feelings. Yep. Yeah, not so with Eden, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think when she brought the book out, I was like, I don't know, yeah. maybe, Eden, maybe not. Eden was the, our other um, Malak, our dietitian, is a four. Yeah, um, and her reading it to her, she was like, "Yes, yes, yes, <laughs> yes <show me." laughs> right, right." How did you know? So finally, the the number of the team that like never is understood and doesn't fit in finally felt understood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That she <laughs> um, and Eden had the hardest time. We were answering for Eden. <laughs> yeah, we were like, "Yep, yeah, that's what you do." Yep. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> yes, Eden. Person, she didn't. Oh, she was had a hard time. I was slower to buy into my number. <laughs> you know, I think if you're, uh, we would say if there are four aggressive numbers, so three sevens and eights are the aggressive numbers, but we would say that ones are the fourth aggressive number. Yes. And I think, <laughs> I think that you as a two and I yeah. are a little um, intimidated by what being a two means in an aggressive number group mm-hmm. because it doesn't sound quite as strong and mm-hmm. self-assured grandiose. and not grandiose yeah 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 <clears throat> confident um purposeful mm-hmm. yeah well and I think also part of it was kind of me focusing on myself right and, uh-huh. and not focusing on assessing the room and mm-hmm. what they would want from me but actually like okay who am I and and uh focusing on that versus like oh what is what does Whitney need what does Candace need right. Candace will tell me what she needs yeah which is the norm most likely yeah I, it's right. uh, I kind of get a little antsy mm-hmm. around a lot of people who do things differently than I do. Yeah. I think that's what it's about. It's like, you mean, we're going to make decisions without taking into account how their aunt and uncle might feel, you yes. know, because we do all that unnecessary. Yes. I want to hear everyone's perspective yeah. and then I want to take a moment yeah. to kind of consider it. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Versus Candace is like, we're doing this. Yeah. It's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been done for like an hour. You know, yeah. yeah. And I think coming from that two perspective, it was even helpful to kind of have that laid out that like mm-hmm. there's an eight and there's a two. Mm-hmm. And that when I'm seeing her 
um, when I'm seeing you are Candace, um, <laughs> your facial expressions or the tone in your voice, which I am very perceptive to and sensitive to that. It, that it's just Candace. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I've done that's impacted her or causing this tone or yeah. causing this response. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> noticed that after we had that like hour talk, mm-hmm. cause then we each kind of went our own ways and like learning more about our number mm-hmm. and each other's we would meet together every week to discuss our clients and their progress and kind of assessing where they needed to go and those meetings in the past had like potential to get in terminates perspective like highly emotional and yeah. um kind of off topic and misunderstanding wow a lot and then I noticed that once we knew numbers even whenever it got to this place for me that was helpful to know okay so mm-hmm. here's our dietitian who's a four and I know she's just responding this way because there's just a lot that's involved in this for her. Right. Whereas for me as an eight, I'm able to take a step back and look at, okay, this this is what needs to happen, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to keep myself from getting really frustrated because I better understood how everyone was kind of hearing the information. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. Mm-hmm. So would it be accurate to say it helped you slow down a little bit? It did, yeah, and those meetings for sure. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Um, even in Whitney and ours relationship learning, and we already communicated really well before that, but just understanding that that was, that that worked well for both of us. And like, whenever we had big things that came up that we needed to kind of address together, I don't know, we just, we just kind of knew how it was going to get done. And so that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. We knew what each other's strengths were and all of that and knew how to talk to each other. And mm-hmm. yeah. Candace is also married to a one. Yeah, so that's helpful. Yeah. I think we might talk for a minute about what you each bring to the table in terms of Mm -hmm. talking about your clients that the other two wouldn't necessarily take note of or wouldn't necessarily bring. I get real nervous when um, people hire people who are just like them Mm -hmm. because then there are so many perspectives that are missing. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting to talk a little bit about what you each bring about other people that the other two might miss. Well, I I feel like I don't want to speak for them. Right. <laughs> but I feel like things that I've observed about things that they bring to the table, Eden is able to emotionally connect with people like yeah. that. Yeah. Jeez. And it's like she can establish rapport with a client like that yeah. and is able to read the emotions of the parents and really have compassion for everyone, especially mm-hmm. in a family session where mm-hmm. others might not be able to do that. Right. Um, I know that a lot of therapists, especially young therapists really struggle with having family sessions that they've already previously worked with the, the client mm-hmm. one-on-one mm-hmm. because they're really aligned with the client mm-hmm. and have a hard time being um, impartial in the family sessions, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And before we talk about Candace, and I want to ask you a question, Eden. Mm-hmm. Do you, what's that like for you on the good side and the bad side? Mm-hmm. Well, on the good side, I think I'm able to get a lot done really quickly because that rapport is there mm-hmm. and because I can see things really quickly that are happening in the room. And that's with multiple people in the room as well. So the, the difficult part of it where I think I have to work harder um, is when th- there's a lot of big things going on in the room mm-hmm. and it starts to impact me, yeah. my own 
stability, sense of stability, um, and sense of self. Mm-hmm. So that that's, I think, where it becomes challenging when there's a lot of big things that are pulling for me to go their direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to come back and ask another question about that. Okay, we absolutely. Go on for it. Sure. And the thing that I think Candace is really good at as an eight is kind of being able to see what needs to be done and being able to communicate that to the clients and their families and not worry about what their reaction is mm-hmm. going to be about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, making those hard decisions for parents, telling them this is something that needs to happen if you yeah. want your kid to be able to recover from their eating disorder and go on and leave a healthy whole life. Yeah. And I'm not saying flippant like she doesn't care. No, but it's just that way. The response yeah. is not going to affect her as much. Like, she's going to go on another right. day if they're yeah. upset yeah. with her. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's not going to allow their discomfort to impact her therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. with them where it might be harder for Eden and I, yeah. um, to set some boundaries, yeah. um, and worry about how did me setting that boundary impact the relationship mm-hmm. with this client? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think definitely when we were at the house at the residential program all together, when the milieu was getting a little, out of hand and the clients weren't engaging well with each other or they were just being not mindful of the rules I was often called then to like go in and talk to the kids and like hey mm-hmm. stop this like Eden and Whitney were really great about I'll work I'll work with them on why that behavior is happening <laughs> yeah what? she'll meet with them after Kansas yeah right. Right. <laughs> they would like build it up soften everything throw in those really nice comforting words and I would just Follow that with, all right, we're going to stop. We're done with that. Yeah. And then I would, they would be mad and be like, that's fine. You can be mad. I, I'm not mad that you're mad. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I, boy, I want that. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I want it. And I've wanted it for a very long time and I don't have much. In stress, I go there. Yeah. Which is, which I, I think as I've grown and done my own work, mm-hmm. I'm able, able to go there a little bit more without having to be stressed. But yes, but I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, it's like it seems like it would uh, make life so much easier to mm-hmm. have a little more aggression on board. But I think not easier for clients who are living together. There's so much there to deal with, mm-hmm. I would think, that having multiple personality types mm-hmm. helps you deal with it better. Yeah. And it's pretty neat that everybody kind of knows that that's what their gifts are. So there's nothing negative about needing somebody to come in and say, this is what we're going to do. And there's nothing negative about anybody's way of approaching problems and issues that arise. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me a little more about the positive things that happen as you work together. But if there are any negatives, I'd like to know about that. I think think the positives is that as a team, we were able to support each other Mm -hmm. better. Better. Um, because, Why? because we, I think we understood each other a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to take things personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and more compassion. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. And, and I think we understood what the needs of the other person were kind of at their core mm-hmm. better. Um, <clears throat> so we could be with them in the way that they needed to be if, if they needed something from us. Yeah. I think it grew to become like a pretty safe space because we'd meet together every week to discuss mm-hmm. the clients. And what we started doing is before that meeting, 
Whitney asked us to like check in and talk about what we were bringing uh-huh. into the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way everyone also kind of knew, okay, not only do we have our personalities, but obviously we've got personal lives too. Right. And mm-hmm. we're bringing all that stuff that happened in the morning or night before in with us. Um, and that's adding to everything we're discussing. And uh, as an eight, I don't feel, I don't <laughs> trust hardly anybody. I count on my hand, right? right. And um, <laughs> talking about things that, aren't talked about in the workplace also doesn't happen but (laughs) Mm -hmm. like getting to do that with with the three of them was was really cool and definitely it felt safe because they understood for me personally how big a deal it was to even share one small thing that happened that morning or the night before even if it wasn't a big deal like for them wouldn't mean mean a lot but for me I knew that they understood okay, this is important to Candace and for her to share this. Like, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. And that Vulnerable. was really cool. Yeah. 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 I think the first time we did it, she was like, yep, things are good. Yep. <laughs> and Everything's I was like, fine. Yes, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> I got everything handled. What's next? <laughs> well, I, I'm wondering for you though. So when you would make those choices to make those, to give that little extra bit, uh-huh. um, what what were you thinking or like, what were you feeling? What was coming up in you as you were about to make those? It was a conscious choice. I knew what I was going to say because I would think about it. I knew what I was going to say and I was choosing deliberately to, I'm going to trust in this, with this information, even if it's not a lot. And I can't, there were a lot of things that happened. Um, I can't remember one in particular about things that were just difficult. Um, and it, yeah, it was definitely a conscious decision. I'm going to share this and trust that they're going to hold it just between us and not take that out of here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think y'all are better equipped to be trusted with personal information because families trust you with so much personal information about their lives and trying to get healthy? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that if I was to gather a one and an eight and a two from other professions Mm -hmm. if the eight would feel like okay they get confidentiality and they're going to hold this Mm. right or if an eight would think yeah yeah i'm not trusting y'all with anything Mm. yeah you're right you're not my friends and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm collegial and i'm happy Mm -hmm. to work with you as colleagues but you don't need to know anything about my personal life but (laughs) y'all Y'all live in people's personal lives. You got right? Candace yeah. real good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I pretty well have all my. Yes. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Um, okay. Difficulties. I think for me, I think it's different for me, like being a team member, but also being the leader of the team. Right. Is a different. I kind of have to take a different stance, mm-hmm. and um, I think sometimes it was difficult for me to take all of their emotions in, but not let any of mine out. Ah, mm. oh, yeah, yeah, it does. So kind of towards the end of Eden being my therapist and her transitioning to be mm-hmm. the program director, we were like, we have to be friends. It was so good. I was like, I know that you're my therapist right now, but next week you're not going to be. So I can tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. And I think, think that, that I think that makes it hard for me too as a two. Yep. To like not get that that sense or get that response from you as well. Mm-hmm. So it it was something that I was looking yeah, forward to as I well. I do remember yeah. you talking about that whenever Whitney first came, like wondering if she. 
like what her thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. are about you as a person because there wasn't a whole lot coming out. Right. And I was like, well, she's program director, Eden. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you got to also think about that. Yeah. Well, and I think we're all in different leadership roles at this point mm-hmm. and probably all experiencing that. I know I am. Yeah. For sure. And now Eden is at a different facility, but we still work together mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And we are constantly calling and talking to each other and consulting. And I think that that has helped and I think really strengthened our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think there are times where she calls me and she just has all these emotions about clients and their families. And, and I just say, you need to set some boundaries, Eden. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can yes. call me next time. I want to talk to you about boundaries. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about how lovely it is that other people just intuitively have boundaries. <laughs> and too bad we didn't get it. Exactly. And, it, and it's more like setting emotional boundaries within herself. Mm-hmm. Of yep. Kind of taking more taking more of the eight on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leave it at work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Allowing the client to have their response and it be whatever it is mm-hmm. that needs to happen and it not impact her as much. So I can, I don't want to be overly dramatic okay. about <laughs> what you all do all day, mm-hmm. uh, but I've known too many families who were really, really frightened that they were going to lose their children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've wondered about you all and how you do what you do long before I met you. And long before Whitney became part of our family, I, I've often thought, who can do that? Mm. And I would think it would stretch all three of you. So let me talk about how I think it would stretch you, and then you can tell me if that's correct or not. So, Eden, I would think it would really stretch you because you can't take all that home with you every night. Mm-hmm. You can't. you got to go live a life with your family and not carry all that. And for us as twos, that's really tricky. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I want to come back and hear you talk about sure. how you leave it there and how that works for you. Sure. Candace, I would think that your work affects you in ways that you were not affected by anything else in life prior to this being your profession. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. expect to find very many aides mm-hmm. who do what you do. Yep. Um, but because you have to employ two-ness mm-hmm. and five-ness where you mm-hmm. go to in stress and where you go to in security in order to be able to not just insist on people changing their behavior. It's like I could imagine an eight who knew nothing about the personalities of other people just walking in and saying, you're not going to do this anymore. You need to stop that. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm uh, excited that you're an eight in this profession, doing this work, and I'm very curious about it. And I'll be back for y'all to talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. And Whitney, I um, want to know how many clients you run into who are your personality type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> it's very easy to recognize, too. Yep. Yeah, and how you... Is it to your advantage that you're a one when <clears throat> things associated with that are going on? So I think it is... For me as a one, and a lot of our clients being ones, 
mostly mostly the anorexics are usually uh, pretty one mm-hmm. pretty one like uh, <laughs> and if they're not a one they're probably like a seven in stress uh-huh. as a one because um, a lot of our clients come in and they're in their stress number so sometimes they look mm-hmm. like other numbers mm-hmm. because they've been in stress for so long um, wow, that's a whole conversation yeah. too mm-hmm. yeah um, but it's it's easy to recognize because it's just like they are just I um, had a client recently in a family session and um, she's not my client but I'm sitting in on the family sessions of another therapist and uh, she just started it was like she was reading the chapter from the road back to you about ones just talking about how I have all these expectations for myself and they're so high but I don't have them for anyone else and I feel like I have to be the certain way in order for people to like me. And I have to um, be perfect at my grades. And I have to be perfect for my family and not have too much emotion because they have so much emotion and I don't want to stress them out more, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like going, going down the list, <laughs> checking things off. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me to know about that because I can really relate to them and know the things that they're going through and be able to give them um, practical applications mm-hmm. for how to better communicate with their families mm-hmm. and how, um, you know, kind of the inner one voices, because a lot of them feel like that is them, the, the inner one voices. They feel like that's them and it's the truth. Um, but it's really not the truth. You talk about how the yeah. voices are either all for you or not yeah. for you at all. Right. Um, and specifically with eating disorders, I think the voices are constantly talking to them about their body and about food. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's especially hard for a one to have an eating disorder because it's really hard to go against that inner voice that's inside of you. And mm-hmm. if your inner voice is telling you constantly to be restricting your food or purging or, or whatever it is, um, and to do these exercises so that you'll have this body and to hate your body and do this when you're in front of the mm-hmm. mirror, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's hard to talk back to that. Mm-hmm. And I would think it would be, and, and I could be completely wrong because I know about my work, but i learning about yours. Mm-hmm. I would think it would be gratifying for a one to, to be able to be successful in restricting and mm-hmm. watching all that and knowing that you were successful and that you did it just right. Yeah. I would think you could get all caught up in that whole thing. And the process would be addicting oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. part. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why um, eating disorders are one of the most um, difficult to treat is because, unlike any other addiction, eating disorders boost your self-esteem yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. Or, you know, um, in the client's perception, it does. Um, yeah, they, they get so results. much out of it, yeah. and they yeah. and the culture that they live in is praising them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, specifically the anorexics, also sometimes the bulimics. Whenever they're doing all the exercising, right. and, um, or any of the uh, eating disorders on the spectrum with eating clean, mm-hmm. etc., yeah. they get so much out of that, and the mm-hmm. culture is praising them for that. Um, <clears throat> it can be really hard to recognize that that's a problem. Joe and I ran some errands yesterday, and uh, we ate at a restaurant in a big upscale shopping center here in Dallas. And the restaurant we ate, when we went in, the 
hostess asked us if we had any uh, eating restrictions uh, and, and then listed all of them like, uh, could we eat shellfish and uh, were we vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, uh, gluten-free? <laughs> like I, I said, no, <laughs> but I thought, is that, are we headed there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm not, I don't even kind of know what some of those things are that people do. So I think there's such an ignorance about what you all are doing professionally because lay people, lay people say about anorexic, just eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why can't she just eat? Mm-hmm. And so my n- next question that I don't want to forget mm-hmm. after I come back is, how does the Enneagram help with that? Lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. I get how it helps with understanding, but how does it help? How does it contribute to mm-hmm. a lack of understanding? Okay, coming back to the things that we talked about, Candace, what what's your response? So, being an eight, that's a therapist that works with eating disorders, definitely a minority yeah. as a therapist in general. I think. Yeah. Um, and then with eating disorders, even more so. That's something I kind of always notice because whenever I think of a therapist, someone like Eden is what immediately pops in my head. <laughs> someone who's super compassionate and like very easy to talk to you right away. And um, whenever you work with eating disorder clients because of, I mean, the nature of your relationship with them and then their personality types, whenever they're done, especially at a residential care, they write you a letter most times like thanking you for their experience and how you contributed to the recovery, and I mean, 90% of my letters start with, whenever I first met you, I didn't like you, mm-hmm. I thought we weren't going to work well, I thought you were mean or whatever, but then I got to know you and right. realized that you care a lot, blah, blah, blah. And isn't that just the story of a female eight? Yeah. Period. <laughs> Period, in the culture. I thought yeah. I was going to hate you, but wow, it turns yeah. out that I really like I'm you. kind of a nice person. Um, so... Definitely, I know, and Enneagram helps me to be more mindful of pulling in more of the two when I need to, um, to be able to connect with my clients and their parents and connect with, I mean, the pain that's there for a mom and dad that are coming in and they they see their sick kid and they just want them to get better, but that eating disorder is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And that five is really helpful when it just gets to be too much and I care so much for the client and want to see them get better like I think about one in particular that Eden and I worked with that we had to send to a hospital and that was such a tough decision Mm -hmm. um definitely knew that she needed it but it hurt so badly just because he wanted her to be able to stay in the house and Mm -hmm. yeah but that five is helpful in those times so I can get a little bit of a break Mm -hmm. because it's a lot of work that just can weigh on you Mm -hmm. because it's not just you know, they don't just have depression or anxiety. They have that, mm-hmm. and they have this eating disorder that's so egocentric. It's a part of their personality. They can't imagine themselves without it. Mm-hmm. And how to start that work of trying to show them that there is life without an eating disorder, and it can be so much richer and fuller, is kind of daunting, I think, when you look at it from that perspective. Like, the whole thing, it kind of gets to be overwhelming for me. Um so definitely pulling in the two to help connect with patient or mm-hmm. client and their parents. 
and get clients to open up that eight is so helpful whenever hard decisions have to be made Mm -hmm. and you will just tell them hey look this is what we're doing and this is why you need this Mm -hmm. and I'm doing this because I care about you and want you to get better and then that five when I just need need a break Mm -hmm. I need to step back do you think there are certain clients of specific numbers that respond better to you because you're stronger? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I, I would think there would be. Yeah. And um, the other thing I just wanted to say for the listeners is I just wanted to kind of review a little bit that eights, when they're feeling really secure, take on behavior of a two because that's the number they move to in security. And they move to five in stress. And ones move to four in stress and seven in security. And twos move to eight in stress and four in security. Okay, Eden, to Mm -hmm. you. Um, Yeah, so I think your question was how do I do this work and kind of maintain my own boundaries and have a life outside of it um, without feeling so overwhelmed or bogged down by what I might be absorbing during Mm -hmm. the day. And a couple things come to mind. I think, one, I've done my own work. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, I mean, and it is work. Um, My own therapeutic work where I've had to disentangle what's happening outside of me and what's happening inside of me. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. has really helped. I have a husband who's a nine, Mm -hmm. and he... You know, it takes it takes a little bit for him to kind of get get the voice to really say like Eden, this is enough. Yeah. Um, but when he does, that's it's so helpful. Yeah. Um, he's a therapist too. Yeah. He is. Yes. Uh, so that I think he's a good um, voice in my life mm-hmm. for when he sees things mm-hmm. where I'm bringing a lot home. And then I have two little girls at home, a four and one and a half year old, and they it's it's really difficult to to kind of hold on to things from work as I'm going into that sure. environment at home. It requires everything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and I and I see it in their faces when mm-hmm. I am distracted or when I've got something else going on that I've brought home. Um and I and I think going back to kind of the own work my own work that I've done is tolerating distress. Mm-hmm. Can I tolerate my own distress mm-hmm. and you know, the next step, can I tolerate my clients being in distress or kind of having emotions or responses that are beyond what I'm comfortable with, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I've been saying for a long time that uh, physical therapists could so benefit from knowing the Enneagram because how you would motivate uh, Candace to do the work to Mm -hmm. rehabilitate Mm -hmm. physically and how you would motivate me or you, Eden, are two completely different things. Like, mm-hmm. if I was a physical therapist and I walked in to Candace and wanted to chat it up about family and all that, that just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I would need to push her, and she would respond with, if that's all you've got, then I'll rehab myself. Yeah, you're going to have to step oh, it up or I, yeah. I, I'm out of here. But... If I came to you, Eden, mm-hmm. then I would think that I could do more if I knew about your family and your children and all that. So here's my question for mm-hmm. you three. Do you think 
that it would be a different set of understandings for you to work with your clients as opposed to working with people who need physical rehabilitation. Like, I, I don't know uh, how I would respond, um, but I kind of wonder if I would need a two-ish kind of person to help me with rehab from a car accident, but I might need Candace to help me work with mm-hmm. having an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I, <clears throat> I don't know. I think from my experience, just kind of trying to tailor my therapy with different mm-hmm. kiddos, the kiddos who are more aggressive, I need to be more aggressive mm-hmm. back with mm-hmm. them because mm-hmm. they won't respect me. They're not mm-hmm. going to do anything that I say um, or anything that I suggest. And they're not going to connect with me mm-hmm. unless I kind of bring it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kiddos who are more sensitive, you, you have to kind of be a little less aggressive and more fragile and more compassionate mm-hmm. and more kind of mm-hmm. empathetic with them in order for them to make any progress. Because <clears throat> it really is about the relationship that you have with the client. Mm-hmm. And if you're not establishing rapport with them, you're not going to make any progress they're not going to make any progress Mm -mm. um especially at such a high level of care or high acuity if the kiddos that we work with Mm -hmm. they're not there for too terribly long Mm -hmm. you know our average is probably about 45 days and and it can be shorter it can be longer but even that amount of time with such as with the eating disorders being so severe is like a drop in the bucket right Mm -hmm. so if you can't establish rapport with them quickly and be able to kind of match their personality with the way that they need to be handled, um, you're not going to really get much done. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's clear across the board that it's the same then, so far. Like, that you you need to meet them where they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and not push more or less. Just meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, Eden? Yes, ma'am. Do you process verbally? Like, do you have to talk through everything? <laughs> Clearly, you do. Yes. I'm kidding. <laughs> this is how it was when you brought the book out. <laughs> and I'm reading through each one. Yeah. yeah. My eyes are on the page, and their faces are, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you do that? Where do I process verbally? Yeah. Like- well, I think, I think kind of what... Um, Whitney was talking about earlier, as far as being in that leadership role, uh-huh. it, it looks different now mm-hmm. than it did previously. Sometimes I'm doing that at home, mm-hmm. um, but there's also, but my, you know, my husband has strong feelings about that as well. Sure. If it gets to be too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I'm married to a nine too. And so. Uh, well, hey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what happens first is he stops listening. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. enough time has passed that he hasn't listened for a while and he's ready to do something different. Yeah. Even though he's not listening. <laughs> yeah. But I feel better. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm processing out yeah. loud. That's yeah. what I'm meaning to do. But, but I think, um, I mean, I have my people, right? Right. That I call. Right. And then I think I have colleagues that I really look up to and value their perspectives, Whitney and Candace obviously being two of those people. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I make sure I choose people who are going to 
honor and respect kind of my perspective and where I'm coming from, right. but also be able to offer some good feedback, you know, who can listen <laughs> to me and my stories, but then also kind of jump in and say, you need, you need some boundaries, Eden. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What do you wish people knew about your work? I think one of the things that comes to mind, maybe just because of things that are going on in the house right now, is that um, me upsetting you is probably a good thing. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that means I am showing you probably a perspective of yourself that you don't like, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm making you uncomfortable. And that's okay, too, because mm-hmm. especially in a therapeutic relationship and especially with eating disorders, we have to make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think families really struggle with that yes. mm-hmm. if their kiddo is yeah. just really dysregulated emotionally mm-hmm. and really having a hard time and not feeling better. Um, so, you know, like within a week or two, mm-hmm. and it's because we have to make them uncomfortable to push them outside of their comfort zone and expose them. Um, to different things and different scenarios and um, they have a really hard time with that and parents have a really hard time seeing their child Mm -hmm. be so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and a lot of times what I have to ask the parents to do is to manage their own emotions about their kiddo being uncomfortable yeah and they have a hard time with that too yeah 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 because their kid, like you said, they are so fearful. Yeah, they have it's so, so much scary. fear. Mm-hmm. It's just so mm-hmm. scary. So much fear and anxiety. Um, and, you know, we are just asking them to trust us. Yeah. You know, that they just met yeah. uh, with their kiddo who is in need of so much help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So scary. What about you, Candace? I guess piggybacking off of Whitney. What, the phrase that comes to mind that I say to parents often, especially when we're talking about making a hard decision, um, like a high level of care or really changing the dynamic at home, mm-hmm. is telling parents, I may not know your child very well, but I do know eating disorders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So buy into this. <laughs> yeah. Do it now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess what I wish they knew is it's hard work and our culture so glorifies having having an eating disorder, but if you talk to someone who has an eating disorder, they wouldn't wish it on yeah. anybody else. Yeah. It doesn't matter what eating disorder it is. Yeah, yeah they wouldn't. It doesn't have to specifically be anorexia, but bulimics and binge eating and yeah. They all really struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems so complex. So complex, no mm-hmm. easy answers. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add to that, Eden? Yeah, I think a few things. One, just kind of that the process is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that's how it's supposed to be. That's kind of the nature of fighting this mm-hmm. um, eating disorder. Um, and so if, if your kid or if your loved one is uncomfortable, is comfortable then then we're probably not doing our job mm-hmm. um and that that's a hard framework to kind of wrap your mind around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially because a lot of times you're hearing about the discomfort mm-hmm. <laughs> when they come home yeah. or when yeah. you interact with them mm-hmm. um and then 
I think the other thing is just that it's a journey and it's, and the fact that it's kind of this up and down roller coaster process of, mm-hmm. of feeling better, feeling worse, um, doing better, doing worse, acting on behaviors, not acting on behaviors. But that's not the journey of someone who's failed. That's mm-hmm. the journey. Yeah. <laughs> the progress isn't linear. Yeah, it's not right. a yeah. straight line. It's a mess. And I think that's, it's just really difficult um, for families and loved ones and our clients themselves to really accept that and accept it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And they keep feeling that, that sense of failure or disappointment. Um, Y'all have done quite a bit of Enneagram work in a short amount of time, mm-hmm. but it's it seems to be um, the success of it exacerbated by the fact that you're dealing with people and their numbers all day mm-hmm. and the upside and the downside of that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'd kind of like to run through the numbers and have each of you um, contribute a story or some wisdom or some understanding I'm so sorry we ran out of time please join the four of us again next week as we continue our discussion we will talk specifically about each of the nine numbers until then practice compassion I hope you'll join me in Edmond Oklahoma on February 23rd and 24th for a know your number conference You can get more information at lifeinthetrinityministry.com about registration and about the event. It's a good opportunity for you to bring a friend to a Know Your Number workshop because it's changed your life and you want to offer it to them. And it's a great way for you to come listen for the number you go to in stress and the number you go to in security. Hope I see you there. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit the Enneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.